podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm so happy you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shoe machine on the market. We own three of them, and I can tell you personally, even before they came, became sponsors, their customer service is second to none. Um, you know, Every time I've had any issues with any of my machines, going back to the way old ones, they've always taken really good care of me. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com. Oh, and mention, uh, mention us, and they'll give you $450 off. Mention Coach Collins or Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $450 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, you know, we always tell our players that they should be working on their craft. I challenge you to work on your craft. Come over, join a community of like-minded coaches who want to make this game better. It's the reason I started Teach Hoops is to help pay the bills for all these podcasts, but even more importantly, to give back um, to this great game that has given me so much um, and to set up a roadmap for you to be successful, not only on the court, but off the court. And we offer a 14-day free trial, so come over and check, kick the tires around, see if you like it, and uh, let's head off to the podcast. Um, so I think that's a hard transformation. It took me a while to get out of that mode of you're not a player anymore, now you're a coach. Um, right, yeah, that's – and I, like I said, I was I was right around 24, I suppose. So, you know, my I had like three or four seniors. I'm only six years older than them, you right. know. Uh, and it's like, okay, listen listen to me and let me lead you. And I'm, right. I'm, ta- I'm saying all the right things. I, I think I'm saying all the right things. I think I believe the stuff that I was preaching to them. And like I said, I don't think anything – is done in malice or, no, you know, no. with a, with detriment to the kids on purpose or anything like that. But, but you're right. Like, here you go. You know, you run this entire program, be in charge of all this money, right. you know, be in charge of, be in charge of these lives of these kids as you get put on a bus and you drive two and a half hours in the rain and come home. And it's just like, you don't, right. there's right. no class to prepare you for that kind of stuff. Right. And you got to figure out how to, you got to figure out how to deal with the parents and talk to the parents and do all that kind of stuff. And no one right. teaches you that. Yeah. And, 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 and I can't tell you how many times, you know, when you, you have a conversation with a parent, the, the, their first question is always, well, do you have kids? <laughs> and it's like, well, no, I, I don't. But it's like, well, I don't think that justifies me to not be able to coach your kids or this or that. And then you become a parent and it's like, oh, wow. You know, the parents have, have a clue because they're looking at their kid through a different lens right. than you are. Right. Because that's, that's their baby. And right. Uh, and you know, so now I kind of look at my, my little daughter and I'm like, okay, well, uh, having her has helped me f- figure out what kind of coach and teacher I want to be. But at the same time, being a coach and a teacher and dealing with parents and kids has also showed me what kind of a parent I want to be right. uh, or don't want to be. And I think those things can go hand in hand where you, you kind of sit there and figure out like, okay, I see this situation kind of on the outside, like. This is how I would want to handle it with if, if I'm the parent in this situation uh, or vice versa. Or when my kid gets in the car with me after a game and she's upset, this is how I feel like I need to handle this because I right. don't want to, you know, ruin her playing career or what right. that or coach is telling her. Or, yeah, her yeah, self-esteem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so is that what you would what would you tell yourself? What would you tell a young coach, the 22 year old that's coming out? Is there any advice you'd give different than that? I, I would tell them to try to 
just to try to understand that you don't know everything right now at 22, like as hard as that is to swallow, but to, but to have more humility and, and, and try to develop a growth mindset and just understand the fact that, yeah, you're going to get a lot of unsolicited advice and a lot of that advice might be bad advice, but I still think you can learn from the bad advice. Like we've right. all learned, we've all learned plenty of things from bad coaches or, you know, people <laughs> we've we worked do, with we or don't want to do. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. But it's still something you learn. Right. So, right. You know, kind of take everything as, as don't take anything, try not to take anything personally, but accept everything as part of that journey. Because if you're a 22 year old coach, chances are you're going to be a better coach at 23, but you're not near where you want to be. Right. And so it's, it's about kind of accepting whatever comes along the way and don't get too high, but don't get too low at the same time. Um, you know, you, you can win a championship, you can, you can get let go and you can't let something like that get you too down and you can't let winning one keep you too high because as soon as you win one, everybody wants you to win two. And right. the minute you don't win two, you're back down on the bottom again. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You're uh, always like, I, I, I just grabbed something too that I was reading today. I don't remember. It was, I want to say it was New York times might've been the Washington post, but it was basically redefining success, adopt the journey mindset to move forward. So there's basically these been these studies, I think it was published in August about, you know, and I've learned this over time. You can't define your success by a ring or a gold ball. Right. Otherwise you're going to wish your life away and you're going to miss the journey. And they've done all these studies about it. It's really about the journey. It's, Mm. I mean, that's what life is to be honest with you. Being a parent is, I mean, I got one that's going to be leaving the house. It's like, you snap your finger and it's over, but it's been about (laughs) that. It's been that journey along the way. Um, so that journey mindset, it's, it's, it's the first time I had heard someone actually put it in, in, in writing, but it's like, yeah, yes, it's like, so it's, it's kind of like the, you know, process oriented, I guess, and pro- process right. over progress, right. Or progress over perfection. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of the same way. Like, you know, we, when we brought our daughter home, it was like, okay, this is this part about being a parent to a baby is really tough. Life is going to be so much easier when X happens. And then that happens and life doesn't get easier because it just <laughs> it presents like one extra problem. Like, okay, I'll, it'll be really nice when we don't have to, you know, do diapers anymore. But right. then when you're out of diapers, it just presents a whole nother right. problem. So it's, it, it, it's, but, but it's the I'm gonna same go on, thing. I'm going to go on record that getting rid of the diaper stage is a good stage. It is a good, it is a good stage. <laughs> it is a good from, from having like, I do remember that stage. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, this is, this is better. This is definitely better than, you know, when they become teenagers, but it's definitely, like, <laughs> I do remember that I, there are, there are, there are some thresholds. It's like, Ooh, this is, um, you know, and, and I tell people, I said that window when they're like six to nine is like, Ooh, that's like, you're, you're, you're in a sweet spot at that point. I'm telling you, you haven't no. reached that one yet, but it's, we're not, we're not quite, we're not quite there yet. No, but, they, uh, they're, they're self-sufficient. They, they love you up. You know, it's not like, and, and the point of, uh, I've always told, I've always told my students is the point of parenting and the point is I'm to get you out of the nest, you know, um, <laughs> you know, right. e- eagles actually put glass and rocks on the bottom of their nest because as the e- eaglets get bigger and bigger, it, they, they eventually figure out they don't want to be in the nest anymore. Right. <laughs> because they, they're, they're, they get, they, they start weighing more and then they start, Ooh, this isn't comfortable. I'm not comfortable. More. Right. Our job is to, like I tell my wife, our job is to get them ready to leave. Like right. that's our job to make them self-sufficient, you know, reliable, all those things. That's our job. It's a sad job because it's like, but that's as parents, that's what we want to do. Um, if you could talk to one coach, any sport, 
who would you talk to? Oh, wow. I love that oh, one. Wow. I always love that. Um, I throw everybody that question. Yeah, that's, that kind of, kind of puts me on the spot there. That's a man. That's a great question. Um, I don't guess I could like punt and say my, my former self. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. No one said yeah. that. I love uh, that. If I could get away with that, uh, because like we were talking about with the regrets, you know, going back and, and talking to, to that person or, or, or I'd even say this, my future self, um, right. to kind of see where we're headed. Um, that might, no, no, no. I think leave that. That's like maybe the okay. best, one of the best answers. That's a great answer. Um, yeah. do, you have any, do you have any superstitions? I, uh, well, to steal from Michael Scott from the office, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Um, <laughs> okay. You like uh, the office. Where's my, you see yeah. my, uh, my Dwight, my Dwight, see the thing. Dwight doll. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm, I was always one of those where like, you know, if I, you know, hit four threes in a game. Like I want to wear the same socks, uh, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, these last two years, uh, during our, our successful runs, it was like, you know, we would, something would happen and we would win and we would just kind of keep it going. Now, the reason we were winning is because we were talented, but I found myself getting like in these routines that, yeah, I did not want to break because if we were going to get beat, it wasn't going to be because I, didn't do what I was supposed to do. So like I had my game sheet, my game note sheet that I had pregame every game. And I made sure that, you know, the same types of information was on there. I went through kind of my mental reps. Um, I wanted to scout the same way. I, you know, I, if we all tried to go eat at the same uh, restaurant before like pregame as coaches, if we could, um, you know, we were fortunate to get down there and win the first uh, title. So the next year when we got back down there, it was okay. We're going to do this. We're going to go eat at this restaurant again. Yeah. We're going to try to practice at this time. We're going to try to do everything the same because it's just like in your mind, I guess it's a little bit of a, a comfort. And it's a routine. Um, that, There's nothing wrong. I, I said, tell people it's more about routine than superstition. Right. Yeah. I, I would agree with that too. Yeah. It, yeah you know, it's like sure. how you go to work every morning, how you, you know, how you present your classes, all that stuff is it's really about routine. Um, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the a rapid fire and then we'll do some closing things here. So rapid okay. fire, I basically ask you a question. It can be as fast or as quick as you want. I just look for different responses from different coaches. Um, what is your favorite brand of basketball? And what I mean by brand is literally type of basketball that you use to shoot. Like Oh, Wilson evolution. Okay. And why do you like the Wilson? I just like the feel. Like okay. it just feels good in my hands. I, I don't really – I don't have very big hands. And so okay. like, I just feel like I get better grip on that. And so any, every time I've ever held a Wilson evolution, that just feels like it's a part of my hands. I do. I like the Wilson a lot too. We use, we use uh Spalding because that's what they use at the state tournament. We, but, um, we, we have Baden in Louisiana. Uh, okay. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's what we use. But if I'm going to go play somewhere, I'm, I'm looking on the rack for a Wilson. I like that too. Um, one word to describe your ideal player. Hmm. Uh, a teammate. Ooh, I like that. That might be the first one that said that. Um, you go to any sporting event in the entire world, what would it be and why? Entire sporting event. Uh, um, I've never been. Uh, I've never been to the Kentucky Derby. Oh, and I grew up loving horse racing, so I think I would love to go watch. I learned. I, I, I've never said this. I've, I learned. My parents taught me how to read at the horse track. Actually, I think, I'm convinced. <laughs> my my dad taught me. I mean, I think part of my math brain came from the reading the form when I was little at Arlington, which is outside of Chicago. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite pregame meal. 
Uh, well, the last two years, it's been the barbecue nachos at Brister's uh, in Ruston, Louisiana. Mm. That's where we would go every, uh, every, just about every game, uh, every important game. And I would always get the, the brisket barbecue nachos. Wow. Southern, Southern barbecue is good. We were out, we were at, I was at a clinic outside of Georgia and it was like, we got some good, it's like, Ooh, barbecue. It was, it was exceptional. Let me tell Phenomenal. you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One, uh, one skill not being taught today. I think we already kind of talked about this one, but yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing that's, that lacks as far as like, if we're going to go like fundamental skills yeah. is yeah. A, a huge lack of, um, just shooting technique. Like I, I don't, and I don't know if, you know, we could sit here and dissect on how you do it and if there's one way. And I'm like, I'm not a huge technique kind of person. Like, I don't think there's one way of doing it. But when it comes down to, okay, like the confidence part of shooting and getting, like, I think that's the biggest part of shooting. I don't think, I don't think kids confidence. are, I don't think kids are, I mean, my son, my son can shoot. I mean, legit. Like, I'm, he'll be the last one to, he'll, he'd come in here and say, you never compliment me. He can legit, he, he, <laughs> he can, he can enter, he can shoot. He's got, he has a green light from the international line if he's open. Right. Legit. Like, he, I think he can play college basketball. I mean, there's some people. He's 6'1", and he's not super quick, but he can shoot the ball. And the only reason he can do that is because he has probably shot more shots than anybody in, in our county or parish. You right. Know, just, I mean, that's it. I mean, his form's really good, and we've broke it down, but I, I don't think kids shoot like they used to I, shoot. That's what I think that's how kind of I would amend my answer is not like shooting, but working on your shooting, like taking the reps. Because I was the same way. I was – I'm like barely under 5'11", but I was right. this tall in like sixth grade, seventh grade. Right. So I was a post player. All of a sudden, I'm a sophomore. Everybody's 6'4". I can't dribble the ball because I was never right. allowed to because I was a post player. Right. And all of a sudden, it was like, well, if I'm going to play, what am I going to do? And so right. I had to learn how to shoot. And right. I took charges and made threes and free throws. And, you know, and right. it was just the only way I learned how to do that. I did it on my own. I didn't have a, you know, a skills coach or somebody telling me like, this is where my thumb should be and this and that. Right. I got in a gym and I figured it out. And you and shot I spent and you shot every and day. Every Absolutely. day. I mean, I just don't think it's, I mean, I used to do it to relax. Like where's yes. Steve? Where's Steve? Oh, he's out back shooting. Well, I'm shooting because no one's bothering me. It's kind of right. my time. I don't think kids do that anymore. I, I, I mean, I'm sounding like the guy, get off my porch. <laughs> sounding like dad. But I, it, I just, I just don't, I don't see it. I just don't. No. And they have more, they have more tools than we did too. With the For sure. Dish, all that stuff. But it's like, I just don't think they're spending. It's, it's really about repetition. They'll this, get in the this, weight room. Yeah. And I, this might be a little bit of a romanticization, but like it's, it's me in the driveway at night with that one little light on the garage that you can barely see the rim. Right. And you're just, you're out there and mom's yelling at you to come in and it's just, you're like, I'm yeah. going to shoot for 30 more minutes. It's kind of we're, a cool Christmas. We're, we're sounding like old men. We're, we're sounding like Rochester we are. men. But, <laughs> but I had a driveway, literally, and I can shoot corner threes. I still can shoot them because our driveway was flat, and then it went down. Like, it was flat. So, if you shot in the baseline corner, you were shooting uphill. Mm -hmm. Like, And I shot that shot thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Yeah, I mean, I don't know old school i'm yeah. i'm much older than you like i had boombox <laughs> and the big jug of water and all that kind of stuff um what's one thing you do to relax coach um this might sound kind of funny but i watch film really like yeah um it's 
there's something therapeutic about it and it might not be my film. I might, I might get on and watch a Euro game on FIFA, right. but like, I mean, I enjoy like, you know, I enjoy playing golf and, you know, watching Netflix and this and that, but it's almost kind of like a, like that therapeutic puzzle, you know, like okay. some people do a crossword or a Sudoku yep. or they'll color or they'll read like to me, like watching, just watching a game with when there's nothing really on the line um, is just, it's like, it's like doing a puzzle. No, that's um, bless you. I just, Cause I can't, I can't do, I can't, I used to go to Badger game. I can't go anymore. Like I can't literally turn my like coaching. It's, it's crazy. I can't, I can't watch. If I start doing even a game for entertainment, I can watch the NCAA, the NBA finals. I can watch. And usually I can watch some of the NCAAs and not start dissecting but it's like, I can't turn my brain off. It's like, well, I think that's part of like, I, I have a really hard term time turning mine off. So I don't do well, like idling right. and kind of quiet. So I think that's kind of like, it's kind of mindless at the right. same time. Cause I'm on autopilot, but it gives me enough that where my brain is kind of working where it puts me you're in down, you're down shifting. Yeah. You're down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm in, I'm in a good place. Okay. Um, what's the best basketball player you've seen in person? Um, as far as like just going to any game and, and like just spectating or like, yeah, up close. you've seen not on TV in person, best player you've seen in person. Um, well best and then kind of favorite. I'm a Mavs fan. So I'm gonna say Dirk. Okay. So Wesley's one of my guys. I'll tell him he said that. Okay. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say Dirk, uh, you know, being, like I said, kind of my, my Mavs fan and uh, getting to watch him up close was, was really cool, uh, especially a few years ago before he was kind of on his, yeah. on his downslide. But I, get, I did get to go watch him one last time, um, you know, last year uh, when he was playing like six minutes a game. <laughs> right. Just coming out and shooting one shot for everybody. But, uh, but I would say him. And, and then I would say this too, in, in college, the guy that I really enjoyed watching the most up close was a guy by the name of Kyle Gibson. I don't know if anybody will know who he is, but he's playing overseas, but he was, he was like the consummate teammate guy playing for Louisiana tech. Um, and was six, four, but we, we asked him to do everything. He had to play one through five. Um, and I was just, he was always probably my favorite player that I got to watch day to day, um, on, in the gym, in the weight room, film room, this and that. And how would you describe him? the consummate teammate. I mean, okay. like, was he the, a hard the, worker? The, he was at 100%. And okay. it was, and, 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 and we weren't, we weren't great that one year, but like, I mean, it was just whatever we needed to do to be successful. He was willing to do it. Yeah. And if he that, needed to score 30, he'd score 30. And if he needed to score zero, he would score zero. Right. If he had to, if he had to guard the six, nine, he'd guard the six, nine. That's um, what I tell. That's what I tell players and, and other people that, you know, the reason Wesley has a career he's had in the NBA is not – there's probably a thousand Wesleys walking around. He, For sure. He's going to outwork you. I'm telling you right now. He's going to outwork you, and he's going to be a great teammate. The two things right. you described literally describe Wesley. Like, And, and, and I think, know. like, even though some of that stuff is not fun, like – and he, right. and, and I don't, I'm not saying he enjoyed every workout. I'm not saying that he wanted right. to be – like, we all have days, but it was just, like, it didn't matter. Like, no. he was that guy – no matter what and it was if it was a two-hour film session into an hour weight session into into pre-practice to practice to post-practice to this and that like he was the best we had yeah and, and that's happen. what and that's why they're the best in the world to be honest right. with you that's what that's what separates it's that you know um right what's uh best player of all time I mean, I grew up watching Michael, so I'm going to have to go. All right, Michael's, to go. Michael's got about 90%. We had a yeah. LeBron recently, but. Uh, I mean, 
like LeBron's obviously no slouch, but yeah. I mean, just my childhood and, uh, yeah. you know, growing up watching Michael, they'll, I'll never say anything like that. I, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm going to go on record that the one that lives in Wisconsin right now has got a shot at it if he keeps improving. Yeah, I think, I think he, so. Yeah, he, he's just, he's the freak. I mean, he's just like, there's just something special about, I mean, from what I've heard, just a workhorse, just a yeah. workhorse. And he's got that body that just like, that's what they're looking for right now. That long yeah, absolutely. position. Um, all right. So tell us about your favorite drill. You sent it to me. I'll put it down in the show notes, but um, this 30 point possession, I think it was. Yeah. Right? So the, that leads into what we, we call a hundred point games. Um, okay. Something I got from a coaching buddy of mine and we, I've kind of tweaked it over the, over, you know, the last couple of years that the 30 point possession was something that we used as a, a guide to kind of, evaluate our half court possessions like I want to play fast like I, I want to get up and down the floor I, I don't mind shooting it as soon as we get it down there like I'm all about increasing possessions and if, if we can score early and often like let's do it but right you are going to have some neutral half court possessions and so that was something we kind of took from that 100 point games and we just added point values to what we emphasized or what we thought we wanted to see in a half court possession. So like in my mind, like the anatomy of our perfect half court possession might be the exchange of the ball, you know, whether it be a pass or a dribble handoff, yep. change sides of the floor, get it in the paint, kick it out. And then maybe there's an extra, you know, to the next guy on the wing or whatever. And, okay. and it was just, if we, if we got those things in a half court and, possession. Are you saying you're trying to get 30 points on a possession or you're just no, trying to get. What we, what we, kind of came up with and again there's this is not hard and fast but if you have like a couple of passes you change sides of the floor you hit the paint you kick it you get an extra and you take an open three that's going to get you to that 30 point mark okay and so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily involve running a complicated set you don't have to have like we're not saying like pass it five times or set two back screens or right. you know change the sides of the floor three times before we can shoot it it wasn't a set of rules to say we have to do this before we can take a shot. Like we want the best open look we can get as soon as we can. But what I watched from watching all the film was that if those things happened, chances are we were getting a really, really good look. Um, and again, that's, that's in the context of a five on five neutral half court possession. So we don't, five we're not in transition. Meaning this is non-transition. Right. We're not in transition. Like we need to create something here. Okay. And like kick out, you mean, you kick out, you mean drive and kick? Drive and kick. And okay. then the extra would be like, I guess some people would call it a one more or something like that. Yeah, so like we, always, we always had the corner in the, the, the zero in the 45, the corner in the wing occupied. So whoever that was kicked to, you know, chances are the other guy was going to be getting the shot because you're, you're, you're beating a rotating defense at that point. Okay. And then what so, do you mean by a hundred point game then? So that is where we would put zeros on the, on the clock. You know, one team would have the ball, one team would be on defense. And the first team to get to 100 points won the game. So we would count all of those things. And that's, it was kind of difficult to do. You had to get used to it. But I'm sitting over there on the side counting out, you know, every paint touch is five points. And so we would count up what they got in that possession. And we would tweak it, like make it, take it. If you scored, you get to keep it. Right. So you could – I mean, you very reasonably could score 50, 60 points in one possession. Right. Because um, if you got an offensive rebound, we might reward you with five extra points and then you get to keep playing right so it was just about getting them to move the basketball move themselves share the basketball don't take a, a you know a, a bad pull up or 
off one dribble that we would consider not to be a, you know, a nine on our shot rate chart. Like how do we create the best look possible? And instead of coming up with a bunch of rules, like pass it 10 times or set two back screens, or we want three dribble handoffs. Like we don't know how we're going to get it. There's no predetermined how we get it in the paint. I mean, it might be my guard is quicker than you. So I just beat you off the dribble and I'm in the paint and that's great. Uh, And we'll take that. And sometimes, yes, like when I talk to coaches about this, sometimes they're like, well, what if my guy beats him off the dribble and he scores a layup? I'm like, well, that's great. That's awesome. (laughs) But that's happening, you know, once a game, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. What what I love about this too, and I'll put it, like I said, I'll put it in the show notes. What I love about it, and I do, I do something, we call ours cutthroat, but it's this, you basically, whatever you think you need to work on and emphasize, give them points to it. For sure. That's basically it. Like, yeah, I'm a big offensive rebound guy you go get an offensive rebound, that'd be worth a lot, my 30 points. Right, you might give them 10 or 15 points. For yeah, I give them, yeah. like, you take a charge or something. So it's whatever you emphasize is what they're going to do. Right. Um, and I love and, that. I mean, And that's why, like, in here, like, the, the passes and, like, what we would call exchanges, those were only worth one point. Like, right. Because what happens is, is, like, the second string gets out there and they're like, oh, we'll just hand the ball back and forth to each other 10 times and get 10 points. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, well, then you turned it over. Like, what if you want 30 points, if you can get the ball in the paint, kick it out, get an open three, you're going to get to 25 or 30 points. And it wasn't so much about the, the end result either. Like you're only getting two points for a made bucket. You're only getting right. three for the three. So it's not so much about did the ball go in or not. And then, and then the, the really, what I think was truly valuable about this was let's say your point guard, you know, breaks a guy off the dribble, gets it into the paint and kicks it to the corner. Well, he is responsible for, you know, 10 to 15 points right there. And the guy that he kicks it to doesn't shoot it. They make the extra. And the second guy is the one that actually hits the three. Your point guard gets no assist. He gets no no bucket. He gets no credit. But he was solely responsible for the first 15 of those 30 points. Right. And it was a way to honor him and, you know, value the fact that, he had done all the work and set that up. So like the kid that actually made the bucket, he's only responsible for the three points and the open shot, but the point guard. And then that was a way to, again, just kind of show everybody like, yeah, you might not be the one that got that particular play in the stat sheet, but if we don't score without those 15 points of you beating your guy, getting to the other side of the floor, hitting the paint, finding the open guy, where does that decision-making come from? Like, how do you value the stuff that's never going to show up in a statue. Right. Yes. And that goes back to the communication. I love that. I love that. I'll put that down in the show notes again. Um, what, what's, um, what's the best game you've seen in person? The best game I've seen, I'm actually going to say it was a state championship game in Louisiana, uh, 5A uh, in Monroe, Washington High School in Scotlandville, double overtime. Scotlandville ended up ended up beating them, but I had a point guard that played AAU for me, who's a senior that year that played for Washita and kind of hurt for him because they lost. But that that is probably I always say that's the best high school game that I've ever seen. But I might put that up to the the best game I've ever seen because I was sitting right there on the on the side of the floor, just the atmosphere in there, and just that you know that the part that it was. They're just a bunch of amateurs. You know, they're just yeah, a bunch of I high know. school kids I'll playing send, for I'll their cities. You, I'll send you a clip of my 2011. We won it in triple overtime. There oh, was wow. five last second shots to basically put it into it. There oh, was a wow. there was a, a Chris Weber timeout for the other team. And oh no! Many. Oh yeah, it was like, I mean, I literally had to come home and watch it on TV because I don't remember. I mean, I 
I, had, I basically had to call timeouts to stop the clock. It was crazy. Yeah. I, and that oh, was that a sounds- high school game. It was two high school amateur teams just going right. at it. Yeah, just they're playing for them themselves and their cities right. and their schools and their right. families and their friends. And, like, yeah. for some of them, it's the last game they're ever going to play. And right. just, the- to me, there's something special about that. I know. That's um, why and, I love high I, school. There's, I know. I love- same. I, I think sometimes, like, the best games of the year is go find a team – like, and this could be football, anything, go find a team that has a handful of seniors on it and go watch them play a playoff game. Cause they're yeah. literally playing for their careers at that moment. And, right. and we faced a team this last year in, in the playoffs that had five seniors and team we had beaten by like 30 something the year before in the semis. And, and this year we, we overlooked them. And I mean, they played like five kids whose career was on the line and it was just, it was powerful to see, to watch right. them play the way they did. Um, you know, they were outmatched, out athleted out this and out that, and they they flat out outworked us, out coached us, out everything this and it was like that was an amazing lesson for us, you know, right. to not take any of those moments for granted. Um, because they they certainly didn't, which was which was awesome to watch. It is, it's pure. Just yeah, spend the three bucks, get a good get a thing of popcorn and go watch a high school game, it'd be my right. Opinion. Um best basketball coach of all time. Mm. This is going to sound kind of like cop out and cliche, but I'm a Duke guy. So I'm going to say coach K um, <laughs> just because he's, because I mean, obviously he's got the talent, but like the fact that he did it in the nineties, he did it in the two thousands. He's done it in the teens. He took the, you know, the, the ego pros and yeah, corralled yeah. them and, and got us. That's, that's, that's one of his bigger accomplishments. I, I think, I think you could argue that's probably his best coaching job that he's, that he's yeah. done is the fact that he took all of those egos. Like, he made, he made Carmelo <laughs> like a selfless basketball player. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like to me, that is, that's amazing. That's and, amazing. And obviously the talent is there, but you've, it's hard to coach talent, you know? And, it is. And, and for him to have figured out a way to get all of their self-importance and put it to the side, even if he never drew up a play or never devised a game plan or scouted it, just the fact that he was able to get them to do that, um, I think is, is that was crazy. Absolutely. And, yeah. unreal. and one of my, one of, one of the kids from our league is he's going to IMG this year, but he's Jalen's going to be going there next year. It's like, why wouldn't you, you're going to one of the best coaches in the world. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. Um, favorite quote. Um, the, the one I've got in my room right now, learning, learning is experience. Everything else is just information. And that's a, an Albert Einstein Ooh, uh, quote. Um, and again, it, it just, it takes me back to what we were talking about in the beginning. Um, it doesn't matter how smart I am as your coach or how much I know or how many books I've read or, you know, how much science I know to teach to my kids. If they're not a part of the experience and they're not in the middle of it, then they're not truly learning anything. I'll still be smart in my own mind. But my job is not to be smart. My job is to make them smarter and, and, and help them grow and help them develop. Um, right. And so that quote, I have that written on my board in my room. And that's kind of kind of what I try to teach and live by each day for them. And then that in turn uh, takes me to a place of, of service um, and, and making sure that, again, it's not about me. It's about putting them first. And if I'm doing that, then chances are they're gonna they're gonna get something out of class that day or something out of practice, right. and they'll be more successful. They'll get a golden nugget, is what I say. What um, favorite? Yeah. What was that? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my uh, favorite book. Favorite book. So, book uh, 
I've read a lot of good ones uh, the last few years. The one that started all this for me was Inside Out Coaching by okay. Joe Ehrman. Um, that uh, was kind of the first domino that set me down on this this path. Uh, okay. Again, talking about transformational coaching, um, and again putting again putting those kids at the at the center of everything. Um, and in each kind of each chapter of that book, it was like little light bulbs were going off in my head. Um, and it was like, Oh man, like I've always believed this, but I'm not, I'm not really doing it or I want to do these things or I want to live this way, but I don't really have a plan in place to make that possible. Um, and that book kind of helped me see a lot of that. And it was a, a really important domino for me because it, again, it, it set me down the path of being more transformational focusing intentionally on the culture that I was trying to build, which introduced me to lead them up program with Adam Bradley. And then that in turn got me to focus and preach more about serving others, um, which eventually took us into this more, you know, conceptual games, right. you know, small sided games approach. And just all of that started to come together for me. Um, and that book was, I, I give that credit for what, you know, started all that for me. Okay. So, I'll put that, I'll put that down so people can find that too. All right. So a parting word for a young coach or someone listening to this podcast, what would be your parting words, coach? I would say like, I guess some, some advice that I would give is try to find you some people like a, a, a close knit group of coaches that, that aren't completely like-minded, but right. you have the same values and beliefs and, and, and communicate with them almost daily. Like, yeah, and they, they will question you too. It's like, right, I, I, yeah. I have one of those on my staff. I want one on my staff. I For didn't sure. used to, you know, as I gotten older, I, you know, I've told, uh, I've told this a thousand times. I, I want somebody on my, I, I have a Yoda on my staff, someone that's <laughs> more knowledgeable than me. I have someone on my staff that's going to question me. I want that. Like, you know, it's like you, you got to find that group, that mastermind group. It's, it's, it's very important for. Yeah. I, I love what growth. you just, I love what you just said there. Cause that was, I think the problem I had at 24, I was the smartest guy on my bench yeah. for the seven years <laughs> I was there. And that's not a compliment. Like that's not right. a good thing. You don't no. want to be. So as a young coach, like don't be the smartest person in the room, so, no. find a new room. If that's yeah, the case, yeah. like and find find loyal. loyal is good. Loyal is good. Um, right. I would agree with that too. <laughs> Absolutely. You want um, loyal. So loyal, if you got to pick loyal is really important, especially, you know, um, at the younger ages, I think I don't worry about, I mean, I know the people around me are going to be loyal at this point, but um, yeah, I think that's important. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you coach for taking your mm -hmm. Sunday and doing this. I'm sure you got grading to do too. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> All right. Thanks. I really coach. appreciate it. It was, yep, it was we'll a lot talk of fun. Soon. We'll Thanks talk for soon. Me on. Yep. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. Hey everybody. I hope you're enjoying this. Um, make sure if you want to hear more, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. If you want to hear other podcasts, go over and check out High School Hoops and Teacher Side Gig by Coach Collins. And subscribe, like, review all of them. Five-star reviews would be nice. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.